morning, Brisbane, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, we pay respect to traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Well, Jono, another sporting smorgasbord over the weekend, uh, but obviously nothing bigger than the Women's World Cup, and we now know the semi-final lineup. Australia will take on England, yep. uh, while Spain will take on Sweden. Before we look forward to those semi-finals, Jono, let's reflect on the quarterfinal action that we saw. Uh, and we started with Spain and the Netherlands. Spain edging them out 2-1 after extra time. Um, quite a dramatic game here, Jono. We saw the Spanish start the strongest, especially in that first half. Um, took the lead, and then Netherlands got a dramatic injury time equaliser. Uh, but obviously Spain's quality telling in the end, able to grab a winner in extra time. And, and overall, Jono, they probably deserve the victory on the day. Yeah, I think when you look at it from a whole game perspective, Spain definitely should be the team that came out on top, and rightfully so they were. But, I mean, that was definitely one of those games that, you know, you can't really count anybody out until the final whistle. Um, you looked, you know, at that Netherlands side for a little bit and kind of felt that after that penalty was awarded, they looked a little bit defeated there for that first couple minutes right after, but then they just bounced right back, and it came out of absolutely nowhere. They went right back into their normal shape and kept on pushing into extra time. But once we got into that extra time, it did just look that Spain were just that little bit more fresh in terms of their players and the way that they were playing. I think it also showed the depth of squad as well that Spain has in comparison. Um, so hats off to them. I mean, they rightfully deserved it. It went a lot longer than they would have liked, but they're essentially lucky as well that they didn't get pushed to penalties. But um, the better team on the day did actually end up on top this time. And talking about depth, obviously we saw Alexa Portales. She only came off the bench for Spain. You know, she's been battling um, some injuries. Yep. So I'm interested to see uh, if she does line up in the semifinals. Um, obviously Van Donker, who was yellow carded, received a second yellow card in the round of 16. She was missing in the midfield for the Dutch. And, and obviously Jono, she was such a vital cog in that midfield. So so the, the Dutch definitely missed her energy um, and her obviously tough tackling uh, in the midfield. Definitely. And I think that the one thing is, is that really just shows us, well, you got to look at these teams and look, the United States had something similar as well. When one of their key players is out, right, we need yep. someone else to step up. And I think, you know, you look at across the board um, teams that have been able to do that. Like, for example, in Australia, I know we'll get to them a little bit more in depth yep. later, yep. but a Sam Kerr like that kind of steps out. And then a Mary Fowler really steps up yep. to take yep. that ownership yep. in terms of a role. So it doesn't have to be the player that necessarily substitutes on, but it needs to be somebody on the pitch to at least step up. And I think that's what was lacking in terms of the overall leadership and everything as well for that team. Going into the second quarter final that uh, that evening, over being played obviously over in New Zealand, uh, Sweden Jono beat Japan two one. The Japanese have, have probably been or were the most impressive team coming up to the quarterfinals, but that uh, that Swedish resilience Jono and that toughness that we've seen, obviously we saw them against the United States where they were second best for long patches of that game, but were able to get through on a penalty shootout. And in this game. Japan probably turned out their poorest half of football, especially yeah, in that first yeah. half. Found themselves 2-0 two, two down. They did get one back in the second half and were unlucky. Uh, they obviously missed a penalty. And if you haven't seen it, hit a free kick that yeah. unbelievably somehow didn't go in. But Jono, Japan probably left it a little bit late in this game in regards to playing some of the football that we know they're capable of. Um, and the Swedes showed, again, the toughness of that team. And, and they've got enough quality in that team if you're not on it and you make mistakes, they can punish you. 
Yeah, I think, look, it wasn't necessarily that it was a terrible performance by Japan by any means or anything. I think they were still quite tidy in a lot of the spaces across the pitch, especially in the back. They liked to try and play out of the back still. They didn't feel rushed. They were still calm and composed. I just think it was unfortunate in terms of a matchup. I think realistically, just a pound-for-pound matchup, just Sweden were physical, they were big, they were just too strong on the day in terms of just a uh, a classic big versus small kind of matchup there. Yep. And I think that was essentially the Achilles heel to this to this great Japanese side that we've been seeing, right? And yes, we saw a moment of of real just want and drive from that Japanese side after that goal went in, they thought, "Okay, let's press for yep. this." And we would have wished for that to happen the whole game and maybe it would have been a bit of a different game. But unfortunately, it did just look like on the day, Sweden were just too big, too strong, and in control, even though at times, you know, you thought this Japanese side did so well in their defensive third to play the ball in and out of spaces in that middle third. It was just that final production. They just got pushed off the ball, and they were just just not strong enough going forward. Yeah, unfortunately, but a, a great tournament by Japan. They've really certainly wowed some of the crowds over in New Zealand with yep. some of their football and obviously that dismantling of Spain 4-0 in the group stage is certainly a highlight um, of their tournament. We'll try another big one for us here in Australia played on Saturday afternoon up in Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium. Australia versus France. We knew it was going to be potentially a titanic battle and that's exactly what we got. A dramatic game. Ended 0-0. Plenty of chances in the game and, and a lot falling to, I thought, Australia's best player and possibly the best player on the pitch for both sides, Mary Fowler. I thought she was outstanding, especially in the second half. And all the chances seemed to fall to her, but she couldn't quite cap the performance off with a goal. Went into a penalty shootout, obviously uh, played through extra time and Australia won a dramatic penalty shootout, 7-6. Courtney Vine, the young Sydney FC winger who came on um, in extra time as a substitute, scoring the winning penalty. Jono, before we go into a bit more detail around the game, what did you make of the occasion? What did you make of the atmosphere that resonated and obviously the huge crowds that we saw turn out to watch the game um, and some dramatic end in regards to the way it, way it finished and, and Australia booking their first ever semi-final at a World Cup? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, credit to all the people who tuned in from home, went to a pub, went to the various viewing sites as well yep. that we had across Massive Australia. Crowds. I think it's just been exceptional in terms of the way that people have really stood up and 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 taken this team, you know, just yep. really back this team and this journey that they've had. Um, so huge credit to all of them for really turning up because I think that's what's been able to propel Australia forward, right? Yep. yep. And then this game just had it all. I mean, it, it had the ups and downs, the oohs, the ahs. I mean, you look at both teams had some chances. Yep. Um, it just came down to those those minute details, small right? Small margins. It's just very, very small margins. Again, even as you pointed out, someone like a Mary Fowler, it's just that putting that ball a little bit more tucked in the corner could have been that difference to save it from going into penalties, as well as those little defensive mistakes that, you know, we got a little bit lucky there as well. Yep. Um, but then huge penalty shootout. I mean, to have 10 people go through, there was one other person in that starting lineup yep. who did not take a penalty. That is absurd. And also the way that it unfolded as well, I think just adds to the layers of it. You know, you having someone like 
uh, for Australia, Mackenzie Arnold going in and taking a penalty. After making a great save, going to, to potentially save. win it with her kick. Ridiculous. And then missing that. You yep. think about the mindset there. Then you think about her fast forward a couple more where she saved one and gets called back. And yep. then she saved it again. Yep, yep, that yep. is huge. And, and then, then we had young Claire Hunt yep, step up yep. to potentially win it. And she saw her penalty saved as well. And you thought... It could have not happen though, Australia. Potentially, don't take these opportunities and all of a sudden France go on and win it. But luckily, I guess, for the Australian public and, and for this World Cup, Australia got that one more opportunity where Courtney Vine held a nerve and, and to be fair, really slotted a penalty oh. calmly and composed for such a young player. Huge for her as well. I mean, coming on, I think, you know, most games coming on as a late substitute, right? I think a lot to prove to yep. a lot of people because yep. even though, you know, you only have 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, when you're kind of one of those later subs, has she really been performing? Maybe not, right? And this was really that opportunity to just prove everybody yep. wrong and yep. say, look, I can take this pressure. Yep. I can handle this yep. right now. And I'm going to go ahead and put Australia through the next round. And that's exactly what she did. And look, this is just, this, I think, just teed up the nation, right? This, yep. that really just summarize what this World Cup has been in terms of the emotional roller coaster for this Australian team. And it's just fantastic to see them move on. Well, the belief that that will generate for a player like Vine will be uh, insurmountable. And obviously, she may still play a key part in, in the yeah. semifinal and hopefully a final if, if Australia do get there. The other person I thought should have a special mention here, John, just in terms of not necessarily everything that she did on the field, but just the impact she has when she enters the field is Sam Kerr. When she came on, you just felt the energy even through the television of the stadium lifting with her on. And yeah, she was she was kept relatively under wraps by that French defense, but you could see the French defenders all of a sudden having to really switch on to, to Sam Kerr's pace, her physicality. And she did show some lovely touches in extra time and obviously showed the quality that she can, uh, that she has, um, and obviously the importance of this Australian team. And herself converted her penalty nice and calmly as well when asked to step up. Yeah, and I think as well, when you look at her impact in this game, it was also just purely her vision, yep, right? Yep. Um, it wasn't, you know, she wasn't scoring the goals no, or anything no, like yep. that. But I think often when we look at Sam Kerr, you know, when she plays at club level, she's getting really good deliveries yep, in. Yep. And she's a great clinical finisher when it comes to a good delivery in. Yep. It's not that she's necessarily that player that is you know, puts the ball down, is going to dribble through five, ten players and then slot it home, right? Yep. She does need that delivery. But what I think she's showing right now is in the few minutes that she has been playing, she's been providing such great vision and passing as yep. well, right? The ability she's, to play one touch exactly, or know when to hold exactly. and when to, when to uh, pass the ball. Yeah, and she's drawing in the defenders. Everyone, as soon as she steps on the field, they all know they need to mark her and they need to mark her tightly. Yep. But what she's doing now, she's drawing them in and then she's becoming a facilitator, which I think is working. And in this next game, she's clearly going to get more minutes and that will just become even more so important moving into the next game. Also, before we move off this game, also I thought special mention to the to the centre back pairing. I know Claire Hunt's had an outstanding tournament uh, for someone so inexperienced at this mm. level, and we have been harsh on Alana Kennedy at times. And she did make an early mistake, uh, which nearly led to a French goal. But I thought the way those two defended Diani, the young yeah. French striker who we know has now moved to Lyon, a real danger player for the French. Yeah. I thought they marshaled her expertly considering the damage she has 100%. caused in this tournament. So especially a shout out to those girls. And obviously, hopefully that continues on into the semifinal. Talking about semifinals, jo uh, Jono, Australia's opponent will be England after they downed probably, one, again, one of the fairy tale stories of this tournament, Columbia 2-1. Uh, Behind Lights was out there at, at Accor Stadium. Jono, in terms of watching the game, what, I guess, 
struck out to me was Colombia obviously took the early lead. England uh, answered back just before halftime. I think that was a crucial goalkeeping mistake, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought the English in the second half controlled the tempo of that game. And when they went up 2-1, I just felt Colombia were never... They did try and put pressure on England, but I just felt like the English had enough experience and enough nous to see that game out against an opponent which has shown the quality and the individuals they have to really uh, sometimes beat some of these more fancied nations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I think it's a great, great run by Colombia, but I think it was that difference of... Um, the difference in class overall in terms of the players. And I think that that kind of happens as well when you have these nations that make a great push yep. and get there. But then it comes down to when you get to the bitter end of the tournament, that is a lot of times the difference there. Um, I do also think in seeing that, I think that also from an Australian perspective, you'd be looking at this and see that a team like Colombia was able to be successful in scoring on yep. them. They also yep. had quite a few chances in the attack yep. as well. So you look at this as saying... For as much control, I agree, that England was in, they also were susceptible as well at times, right? So England are, you know, they're they're in there, but they also have some key weaknesses as well. And they allow that team to have that quick break on the transition. I don't think that they're the best in terms of getting back and transitioning back at all times. Yep. So that would be the key to success there. But overall, yeah, they did look in control, especially after they slaughtered that second one home. I yep. don't think there was any doubt in that stadium. Great finish by Russo, who yeah. I thought had a best game of the tournament. 100%. Um, but yeah, if you're Columbia, I mean, hats off to you. This was an amazing, amazing tournament. You had some amazing results in it. You'd Casado, be so proud. One of the great oh, stars of this tournament. I'm sure we're going to see her, obviously, hopefully star for Real Madrid now. Yep. I'm sure we'll, she's got many a World Cup ahead of her. Oh, such a young talent. It's, it's remarkable what she's been able to do this year. She played in three World uh, Cups amazing. this year. Amazing. Three World Cup, U17, U20, and the Unheard of. and the Women's World Cup. That is just absurd. Um, and performed in all of them as yep. well. So yep. yeah, if you're Colombia, you should be very happy. And you should also be happy that you have a good, young, talented squad as well. That with with better, you know, uh, players moving into better teams yep. Yep. For, for their well, club career. Well, the growth that this hopefully will help. Yeah, the country in terms of growing its women's game. Also, a special shout out to their fans. Yeah, oh, amazing fans. Crazy. I think their fans so far for me, for all the games that I've been to, probably the best fan group so far. So credit to them. But I do think that this is just a great stepping stone for them into the next uh, next Women's World Cup. All right, looking ahead to the semifinals, John, we'll start with Spain versus Sweden. Going to be played over in New Zealand. Uh, how do you see this matchup, and who are you favouring potentially to to make the World Cup final uh, on Sunday evening in Australia? Yeah, I think that um, what Spain should be doing in terms of this is really looking at the way that the U.S. played against Sweden, with the exception of just finishing your yep, chances, yep. right? They just know That's gonna that be they, the key. they need to put their, their, their chances away, right? Because I think Spain are the team that clearly is going to have more possession. And I think that when you look at Sweden versus the U.S., right? U.S. had most of the control there. Yep, yep. But Sweden were able to hold on because they were so solid defensively as well as a great goalkeeping Fantastic performance, goalkeeper. right? Yep. So you look at that, and I would favor Spain in that because I think they would play more that way where they're holding the possession. Yep. They're going to create most of the chances. And Sweden are comfortable out of possession. They're happy they, to sit. Yep, they are. And that's going to be the difference. The key area of success is when you're inside that 18, you need to Clinical. make sure you finish your chance. Yep. If you don't, and it keeps going. And that's been and one of the criticisms of Spain yep. previously, both with their... Finally, both with their male team and their female team. No, and I think that's going to be the big thing is if Spain can't finish their chances, they're 100%. We know the quality Sweden, if you do give them a chance, they've got enough good players Mm. to score. They're third in the world for a reason. They're consistent at these big tournaments and they have the mentality 
to go far in these big tournaments. And I don't think Sweden are scared of taking this no, game far. No, Right? I think they're okay with going to the bitter end. And that's the key there is is Sweden will soak up that pressure. Yep. Yep. They'll take it. They back yep. themselves in those situations. Yep. Th- that's fine for them. It's going to be all about how do Spain actually perform in that offensive third there. Who are you tipping to go through and what will the result be? I'm going to back Spain. Yep. I think that they will actually put put some away. I think... Again, it's going to be similar to how the U.S. played, but minus maybe as great as an individual goalkeeping performance, so one or two might sneak through. So I'm going to be backing Spain, let's say 2-0. I think Spain will get through too. I think potentially, though, a game that potentially could go into extra time, maybe even penalties, we don't know. But I think the Spanish, it would be good to see them potentially get through. And then the big one, Jono, Wednesday evening in Sydney, we'll, we'll be there. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. You can't get a ticket to this game. Sold out, Australia versus England. We know the rivalry between these two nations in any sport. Yep. This is just going to be on another level. Oh, it's going to be huge, right? I mean, this is this is the game. This is the one that everybody wants to be a part of, in particular when you think about it, as you said, who you're playing as well, because this is a rivalry that crosses sports yep. in terms of um, Australia versus England. It's. I'm so happy that we're going to be able to get out there and be part Amazing. of it as well because I think the atmosphere is just going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, but look, as I said, I mean, it's going to be a pretty free-flowing game, I think, right? Okay. I think there's yep. going to be great chances from both sides. I think it's going to come down to one or two key mistakes or yep. one or two really individual brilliances, right? Yep. Um, and I'm really hoping, and I, I have so much faith in this, that this is the game that Sam Kerr is going to get on the score sheet. That'll be the big thing and, too, what they do with Sam Kerr. And hopefully will be the one who pushes what them into What a moment that finals. would be. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, no Lauren James for England as well. She'll only return if they, obviously, they do have a third place playoff. Hopefully, she'll be thinking a World Cup final. But it'll be interesting to see the lineup they go. It, I guess uh, Serena Veeman will probably go with the lineup that defeated Colombia. That looks like their strongest eleven on paper. Yep. And obviously the key, Alicia Russo, um, up front of them with Lauren Hemp. Um, the Australia's defence will have to be switched on because they we know the movement and we know the clinical nature um, of the English. Jono, tipping to go through on this one. Yeah, I'm going to tip Australia. I'm going to back it. I think the fans are really acting as, as a 12th person there. Yep. Um, so I'm going to tip them just by the slightest of margins though. I have to go Australia, obviously, as well. Again, though, this is a game that I think... This will This go has extra. got potentially <laughs> got an extra time. We could be in for another classic late night here yeah. in Australia. Um, but hopefully, it's a game that really delivers on, on the field and we see some of the best women, female players in the world uh, delivering for their nation. So, it should be an amazing atmosphere out there on Wednesday evening. John, the other big, I guess, uh, sporting event and... and league that kicked off over the weekend was the English Premier League. We did preview it last week. Um, Some headlines out of round one. We saw Ange Postacoglu obviously become the first now official manager of an English Premier League team uh, for Australia and obviously taking his first Spurs game where they drew 2-2 with Brentford. No Harry Kane. Finally, that saga ended. Harry Kane, we obviously saw sign with Bayern Munich during the week. So, uh, Ange Postacoglu, they got the money, and we interested to see if they do invest in any of that money before the transfer window shuts. We saw Manchester City start their title defense with a, a pretty comfortable 3-0 win over Vincent Company's Burnley, but I thought John Burnley showed some good signs yeah. in that game, some good young players. I think they will cause a few surprises this year, and I, I like what Vincent Company's done. And Erling Haaland just continues where he uh, yeah. left off last yeah. year with two goals. Uh, Newcastle mm. hammered Aston Villa. We tipped Aston Villa to potentially... 
have a good season. They've brought well, and, and under Unai Emery, they've shown some real improvement. But Newcastle showed that last year uh, may not just be a, a little... Uh, they'll continue that form from last year. 5-1 to, to win that one. And then obviously in the big game, John, Chelsea-Liverpool drew 1-1. Um, a quite an open game in terms of chances for both teams, chances for both teams to win. I thought Liverpool started the better, and yeah. then Chelsea grew into the game. But what did you make of, of the Premier League and its opening round? What, what sort of stood out for you in regards to, I guess the potential title challenges, and obviously then some of the teams that, that may struggle at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that um, going right to the reigning champs in, in Man City, I think it was kind of fitting for Holland to get right back into it considering the last yep. couple games that he yep. has played in preseason and everything like that, he hasn't necessarily yep. been scoring. Yep. Yep. So quite crazy to Great see that. finish for that second goal yeah, as well. Yeah, clearly as well, there's a little bit of a switch that he flips once it's uh, actual season, yep. Yep. Um, which is incredible. I do think when you go into that kind of marquee matchup in terms of Liverpool Chelsea, that really would Especially have been early on. Yeah, it would have been a good opportunity though for one of them to really just get a yep. get a good couple points right yep. away, right? Because these are the games, you know, the those tough games that will have that will be the one that separates them yep. in the pack later down yep. the year, yep. right? We see so many times when you get down to that, who's going to finish? Let's say in like that three, four, five spot comes down to one, two, three points, right? Yep. So that was a really key opportunity there. Yes, I think it's always good. Okay, yep, we ended in a stalemate. Okay, you take a point, you take a point. But that could have been a real big thing because I think both those teams are on the border there of about that four spot. Yep. Um, but also, I think just with everything that's happening off the field with both those teams too, I think that kind of encapsulated there in, in that kind of result too, right? Both still have some kind of question marks in particular on and in individuals as well. Um, and the Moises Caicedo exactly. transfer, which Between looks like he's going to go to Chelsea yeah. now. It's, it's been unbelievable how that's been played out in the media as well. But um, yeah, I think definitely, I think most impressive, definitely with Newcastle, because yeah, you kind of would have came into the season thinking, oh, maybe it was a little bit of a fluke. We know that essentially financially backing what they what they do have in their vision going forward. Yep, yep. Um, but I think it's good to see that they've been able to back that up at least in this first week yeah um now of course it's the case of if you if they kind of continue through and once european competition yeah begins they, as well. that's where squad depth really comes into yep. play yeah um but yeah i think it was overall really really good week Be, you know not too many crazy no crazy results or anything like that that we saw um but a good start to the premier league obviously arsenal too yeah uh, Got their season off to a, a little bit of a nervy finish there. 2-1 over Nottingham Forest. They were really impressive in that first half and, and probably could have been up by a few more. Nottingham Forest got one in that second half and made it a little bit of a nervous end. But uh, they'll be happy that Arteta and, and his men will be happy that they've got that win. Lots of pressure on them. Big spending. Yeah. We know how they ran Manchester City pretty close last year um, or last season. So uh, good for them to get off to a, a winning start. The other one that I thought... A little bit of trouble, Joe Jono, is Everton mm-hmm. losing 1-0 at home to Fulham. We know last year they just avoided relegation. Haven't brought that many players in. So huge pressure already on Sean Dyche and Everton in regards to a potentially another season where they're going to be facing um, some very tricky issues and potentially right down the bottom there. It's kind of crazy when you look at Everton in terms of the digression that they've had in the last couple of years, right? You look at it as well from a player perspective. They had the players. I, I think yep. you can't blame it on the players that they had. They had quality players. Um, they had managers as well, quality They've management to kind managers. of go through. Yep. And now you just see them at big the club. club. They're about yeah. to move into a new stadium uh, as well. The constant bottom, right? And this is not the start you need either. No. Because last year, oh, I mean, we're, we're talking fine, fine yep. margins yep. of being relegated. Um, and I hate seeing any club that has such a rich history yep. and everything like yep. that to be relegated. But 
right now, if we see the same kind of uh, performances, let's say week five, six, or seven, then they deserve to be at the bottom, quite frankly, because yep. a club of that standing, a club with a decent players that, that shouldn't be at the bottom, let's put yep. it that way. Yep. That by no means should be they, should they be playing the way that they're playing right now. And it's, it's, it's sad to see, realistically, to see a club like that just... The, the 360 turnaround that they've had in the last couple of years. Yeah, they're going to want to get some results soon, especially early in this season. Otherwise, the pressure will really yeah. ramp up at that club. Well, John, I'll end with five quick questions as we always do. I think you've got me this week. Yep. Are you ready? Let's go, mate. All right. Switching over back to the Women's World Cup. Who would you say is the one key player that is going to lead Australia to success this Wednesday? This Wednesday. I would say, obviously, Sam Kerr, depending if she starts, she's obviously a player. I would say a player like Mary Fowler. Yep. If she plays like she did uh, in the quarterfinal against Spencer, I thought she was outstanding for a 20-year-old as well. Just the composure and touch. I think she she's something different in that Australian team. You've got your, obviously you've got players such as Caitlin Ford and, and Rasso who are, who are rapid down the wings. But I think Mary Fowler adds that bit of class in that in that sort of number 10 role. She sort of floats around. Just her touch and ability... Um, to not only get into goal-scoring positions, but also provide opportunity yep. as well. So I think Mary Fowler, even at such a tender age, is such a key player for this Australian team. Yeah, I think as well, she stepped up without Sam Kerr, but if yep. she can keep that performance with Sam Kerr, it would be huge. Yep. Um, will Alexia Patelis need to play in order for Spain to beat Sweden? We've I think she'll need to play at least some part. Yeah, I think she's too good a player not to so whether or not the only only the Spanish know whether or not she starts and, and then they yep. they want to start her from the start but I think we'll, we'll see it at some point because I think to break this Swedish team down you're going to need as many creative players as you can those players that can think, get those balls between the lines um, un, unpick tight defenses which we know Sweden have yep. um, I think Portales will play a part switching uh, over to uh, men's football we have one player who left his uh, great club. We have one player who looked like he was leaving but is staying. Who's going to have more of a successful year, Mbappe or Harry Kane? I mean, you'd say Kane will score goals in Germany. It'd be hard not for him to, to score. And obviously, Bayern Munich, I know they got off to a, a bit of a, a strange start with their with their German Cup um, or Super Cup defeat against RB Leipzig. But at this stage, who knows what's happening with Mbappe? I think, I'm going to say Kane will have a successful year. But they've obviously brought him for Europe. Yeah. So let's see how they go in the Champions League. I think he'll score goals in Germany. I can't see. He's too good a player. And there's enough creativity in that Bayern Munich team to, to create chances. I mean, he's going to a very good Bayern Munich team as well. Um, and then sticking with Harry Kane, but looking at his team that he's left, if they do not replace Harry Kane, will Spurs finish outside the top six? I think so, because I just don't know about if Charleston's good enough. There's... Bonkers rumors that Romelu, Romelu Lukaku's been yeah, looked at. Yeah. If there's been a few whispers around there, I mean, Richarlison has led the line for Brazil, but is he good enough to lead this Spurs team for a whole season? I'm not as well. convinced yet by yeah. Richarlison. So yes, I would say if they don't have a replacement for Kane, or if Richarlison is the only player they have, then I'm going to say they do finish outside the top oh, six. Such big shoes to fill, to be honest. And switching back to this Women's World Cup. What do you think the attendance will be for the Australia versus England game? We've seen some great, great crowds what? in and around the 75, 76,000. Do you think we'll crack 80,000 for this game? No, I think it'll be 70. I think it'll be around 75. I have a feeling, obviously, some of the, um, some of the attendance has been, I guess, adjusted a little bit in terms of um, 
some of the way they've had to organize the seating. So I think it'll be, again, between seventy five and 80,000. Um, as I said, I, I don't think you can get a ticket to the game. Yeah. I think it is officially a sellout. Um, so it's going to be another rollicking atmosphere, and hopefully and the Australian crowd really brings the energy. And a lot, a lot of viewing parties all across oh, Australia. I think it it's is, going to be the most... Be I think it's going to be break a few television... We've already seen the television ratings yeah. um, come out here in Australia. It's been breaking records every time, so I think this could only get... Uh, only bigger and better. Well, that brings you another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for your support and good night.